Well, how y'all doing today? You guys good? Man, it's great to see all of you all here at our Conway location. I want to give a shout out to anybody who's watching online or on demand right now. We're glad that you are with us. And, and if you're new with us, man, I, I want to welcome you here. Uh, my name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors and uh, really excited just to share with you today. And, and I say this every week, but if you are new, I want to make sure you know, man, we want you to get connected. That, that just being here is awesome, and, and hopefully so far you've already started to get connected with Jesus uh, through worship, and we're going to open up his word in a second, but we also want you to get connected with others, and the best way to do that, stop by a new here tent or the connect wall. Um, if you're not wanting to maybe talk to somebody today, you can use that QR code in front of you, but, but we really want to help you connect because we know when you connect with Jesus, when you connect with others, It'll help you find what really matters in life, all right? Now, before I dive into the message, a couple of real quick things. Peyton already talked about them, but I just wanna remind you of them. Uh, there's some of you that, that you might wanna take advantage of child dedication. Uh, maybe you've got a, a new child or a new foster child, or maybe you've got a new grandchild. That my eldest Clay and his wife Katie, they had a, another beautiful girl on Friday. So we are excited about that. And so I'm excited on child dedication. We're going to get a chance to dedicate her. And if you don't know what dedication is, it's just a time of prayer. That's the best way to say it. It's a time where we, we pray over your child or your children and you as a parent. It's an incredible opportunity. You can take advantage of the app uh, to get signed up for that or go to the Connect Wall. And then Peyton also talked about uh, uh, this gen conference. And I look around the room, I see a bunch of people who look like they're middle school, high school. You need to go to conference, all right? Uh, it's down at Garden City. It's phenomenal. It's awesome. If we talk about what are you going to do with your life and you want to invest your life, take that week, those four days, and invest it. So get signed up. Bring some friends with you. But also, I know this, that there's a bunch of you in the room who maybe don't have kids that are that age or grandkids that age. I want you to send somebody to camp. See, reality is on May 7th, we're having a sign-up Sunday. That, that day, we're trying to get kids signed up anywhere between now and then, but especially on, on May 7th. But also on May 7th, we're having what's called Send One Sunday. And you have the ability, you might have the ability to send a kid to camp. And I will tell you this, we will never let finances be a reason a kid can't go to camp at The Rock. All right, every kid who wants to go to camp, every teenager that wants to go to a conference, we're gonna make sure they can go. But we do that and we're able to do that because the church comes alongside and says, let me send somebody to conference or to camp, all right? So on May 7th, we're gonna make a big push for that. You can do it before then if you want. All you gotta do is go to the Rock app on the Give page. You'll see Camp Scholarship because it's worth it, all right? Anybody agree with me on that? Are you with me still? So let's do that. Let's take care of some kids that way. All right, now let me, let me dive into the message. We're in this series. We launched it last week. It's a really long title. The title is simply this, What Am I Going to Do With My Life? And, and we, we threw that out there, big title. We said, it's a great series uh, for those of you who are high school, college age, you're going, man, it's a about time that I've got to start adulting, I've got to pick my college, or I've got to decide what kind of career I want to go down. Great for you, but it's also great for those who are in their upper 30s, for those who are 
40, maybe low 50s, and you're going, man, I'm kind of in that halftime zone. Like, like I'm feeling like I've been successful, but I wanna do something of significance with my life. And then we also said for those who are senior citizens, those who have grad, or I said graduated. Um, <laughs> maybe you have, maybe you graduated from the workforce, all right? But, but if you're a senior citizen, that, that you might still be asking the question, what am I gonna do with my life now, all right, so it's a series that honestly hits every one of us in the room. And last week we talked about it this, that, that what are you gonna do with your life? Well, don't waste it, invest it. And today I wanna add on to that, don't waste it by living your calling. And honestly, there's a lot of myths that happen around this idea of calling. Myths are something that we all believe in at different times. Here's some that maybe you've believed in in the past that, that, that maybe you've believed it or at least somebody has said this. Raise your hand if this is true. You've said it, somebody said it, or you believed it, that you're not allowed to go swimming for 30 minutes after you eat because you might get a cramp, right? Like we've all heard it, said it, maybe believed it. Guys, that's a myth. It's not true. That's your parents saying, I'm tired of watching you swim, sit down for 30 minutes and take a nap, all right? Here's another one for you, that, that you can't go outside without a jacket if it's cold or with wet hair because you'll catch a cold. Anybody ever heard that one, right? right? That's a myth. That's not how you catch colds, all right? How about this one? Bulls rush at the color red. Right, like, like we've all heard that. We've seen the matador, right? No, they're not rushing at it because it's red. They're rushing at it because some guy is putting it in their face going, I'm messing with you. It's a myth. That, there's a myth that coffee stunts your growth. I'm living proof that's not a myth. <laughs> or, or how about this one? There's a myth that all short, redheaded Irishmen have a temper. No, that, that, that makes me mad, I'll be honest. Y'all got me there, didn't you? How about this? There's a myth that God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a myth. There's a lot in this life we can't handle, thus we need God. There's a myth that that evangelism happens through osmosis. And here's what that means is that, well, all I have to do is live a good life around people, and if I live a good life around people, then they'll know who Jesus is. No, you have to open up your mouth. There's a myth that it's the preacher's job or the pastor's job to tell my friends about Jesus. That's a myth. And here's the one we're gonna hit today. There's a myth that only certain people are called to make disciples, are called in the ministry. I want you to know that everybody I'm talking to right now is called. Everybody I'm talking to is called. Like, like we'll believe there's a myth that only certain people are called to do ministry. Sure, there, there are some who are called into vocational ministry or what we call full-time ministry like myself, but, but everybody's called into ministry. Uh, you might say, well, some people are better at evangelism than I am. Sure, some people have a gift of evangelism, but everybody is called to do evangelism. And I would even go as far as to say this, that everybody is simply called. 
that you're called to surrender your life to Christ. And once I surrender my life to Christ, then I'm called to share Christ. See, I think that, that too many times we hold this idea that, well, God's not, God's not calling me to even surrender my life to Christ. That, that you might sit there and say, well, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if, if, if God finds me lovable. That might be a better way of saying it. That, that I don't think God could forgive me because of all the junk that I've done. That there's no way that God would want me. That I'm gonna have to do enough good deeds and, and I'm gonna have to get my life all in order before Jesus would truly love me or want to be in a relationship from me. And there's nothing that's further from the truth than that. Because you can't do enough good things, I can't do enough good things to make Jesus love us any more or any less because Jesus loves you. He loves you. And he's calling you to surrender your life to him. I'll show you that throughout the message. But he's also calling everyone who surrenders your life to share, to share his life with other people. So that's the reason I could say everybody in this room is called, that you're either being called to surrender, and then if you answer that call to surrender, well, then you're also called to share. And, and scripture points that out. Let me, let me pull some up. The first one is 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Look at the way that God describes you, that he says that you are a chosen people, that you are his own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. That every one of us outside of Christ, we are walking in the dark. But when Christ calls us to surrender, what he does is he takes us from darkness and he brings us into light. So when we surrender, we go from dark to light and then we're called to share. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. That if I know God, if I've surrendered to God, then I should want to show others the goodness of God. Or let me keep going. It says this, Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That you have been called. That Paul is writing this and he's saying, you have been called by God to surrender. So if you've been called by God to surrender, then live a life worthy of that calling and share it. Let me go on one more. Come Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. This is just a very, very simple verse that, that Jesus was talking to some people and the very first thing he said is just, come follow me. Like that is a call of surrender. He's saying, lay down your life, lay down your decisions, lay down your freedom and choose to surrender your life to me, come follow me. And again, I know in a room this big, there's some of you who haven't done that yet. There's some of you who haven't said yes to Jesus. You haven't answered that call. 
And he wants you to. He wants all men and women to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants everyone to believe in him so that we don't perish, but we can have eternal life. That he is calling each and every one. And you might say, but I'm not loved or I'm not lovable. I haven't done enough good things. No, he's calling you to surrender. And when you surrender, then he takes care of the rest. Come, follow him. I'm gonna jump back on that in a little while, but hold that thought if you haven't surrendered. But once you do surrender, then the next step is to start sharing. The verse goes on, it says, and I will send you out to fish for people. That, that Jesus is going, listen, you've been fishing. He's talking to some disciples there. You've been fishing? Let me teach you a new way to fish. I'm gonna send you out to fish for people. I'm gonna send you to talk with people. I'm gonna send you to share my message with others. So the reality is, the minute I surrender to Jesus, my next step is, now how do I share Jesus? The question isn't if I've been called. Too many times we're like, I don't know if I've been called. The question isn't if I've been called. The real question is, will I answer the call? That's the question today. Will you answer the call of God on your life to surrender and to share? Just curious, how many of y'all have a phone with you right now? Anybody, anybody, okay. How many of y'all have ever, when somebody's been calling you, hit the power button so you silence the call? Some of you are like, I ain't raising my hand, I don't want them to know I do that. We all do it, right? We've all hit the power button to silence a call or, or send the call to voicemail or, or hit like decline on a watch. And we do that for this reason. I don't wanna talk to them. Like, like you might go, well, no, I just don't have time, right? You might not have time, but you're basically saying, I don't wanna talk to you because I don't have time. I'll get around to you later because I don't wanna talk to you right now. How many times do we do that with God? How many times is God saying, I'm calling? I I, I want you to answer. You've been wondering, what are you gonna do with your life? Well, I'm calling. I've got a mission. I've got a way for you not to waste it. I've got a way for you to invest it. Will you answer the call? to surrender? Will you answer the call to share? Will you say yes to God? And you might be sitting there going, okay, I'm gonna say yes to God to, to sharing it, but, but I don't even know how. Well, well, for our benefit, Jesus told us exactly how. Like, like we don't have to wonder How do I share my faith? We don't have to wonder, how do I share his story? We don't have to wonder, what do I do now? Because Jesus gave it to us very clear. At the end of his time on this earth, he had had lived for three years, he had invested in a bunch of people, then he had died on the cross, rose from the dead, and then he was walking around with some followers of his for about 40 days, that, that he was continuing to teach them. And then on his last day, on earth, before he ascended up into heaven, he looked at his disciples and he said, hey, here's how you go and share my word. Here's how you continue this ministry. 
that for three years I've invested in you, now I'm gonna put it into your hands and it's your job to carry out the mission. It's your job to use your life to follow the call, to answer the call, to live your calling, and here's how you do it. And this is what he told us. Real simple, Matthew 28. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. Like, like I, I'm gonna stop right there. Like, like I, I want us to just focus for a second on one simple word, go. That if we want to live our calling, then the first thing we have to do is go. And I, again, I want you to put this in the mindset, Jesus standing in front of 120, maybe 500 people, and he said, all right, I got a mission for you. Here's the very first thing you need to do. You just need to go. And I'm sure they're sitting there going, all right, we're fired up. He rose from the dead. We're ready to do this. Let's go. He said, now the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, go be my witness to the world from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why didn't they? And you might say, no, Josh, they did. Yeah, later they did, but why didn't they go immediately? See, if you don't know the story, here's what happened. 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter and John and James and all the disciples, they, they went out and they started preaching to thousands of people. And as they preached to thousands of people, it says on that day that they shared Christ. And 3,000 people that day gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized. How awesome would it be to see 3,000 people come to Christ and get baptized in one day, right? Like, like we would all be like, oh, this is incredible, right? Like it'd be, it'd be insane. Here's what's crazy. That happened on one day. And then the next day, a couple more thousand joined. And then the next day, more joined. And then the next day, more joined. It says that every day the Lord added to their number. You know what that caused? It caused them to be really excited and really comfortable because things in Jerusalem were awesome. And God said, go though, but they stayed in Jerusalem. And I think that's what we're guilty of at times. I think we get real comfortable in our life. We get real comfortable in our towns. We get real comfortable in our jobs. We get real comfortable in our school. And God says, I want you to go. And we're like, yeah, but I'm pretty comfortable. Like I'm pretty good right here. That, that, that I'll just kind of hang out right here. It wasn't until persecution came into Jerusalem that the disciples actually went out. A couple of them stayed in Jerusalem, which is fine, but the rest of them went out, and they only went out when persecution came in, and it made them get uncomfortable. Now, I wanna challenge us, if we want to go, the first thing we have to do is get out of our comfort zones. We got to, which means I might have to say, I have to go to my neighbor, and that's gonna make me uncomfortable. I have to go to a family member, and that's gonna make me uncomfortable. I have to go to this guy on my team, and 
that's gonna make me uncomfortable. I'm gonna have to go and, and help with some foster care and that's gonna make me uncomfortable. I'm gonna have to go to this coworker and that's gonna make me uncomfortable. But that's what Jesus calls us to do. He says, go. And then once we go, he, let, he says exactly what we're to do, make disciples. That, that if we wanna live our calling, we have to go and then we have to do and what we do is we make disciples. See, I think so many times in life, we, we have this a little backwards. We think, well, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to make houses or I'm supposed to make cakes or I'm supposed to uh, make graduates or I'm supposed to make gadgets or I'm supposed to make the plumbing worker, I'm supposed to make the electrical worker, I'm supposed to make the car go. And, and, and let's just make sure we understand this. That's not what we are called to in the Bible. We're not called to make houses, we're not called to, to, to make graduates, we're called to make disciples, followers of Jesus, which here's how that works. While I'm building a house, I make disciples. While I'm educating a student, I make disciples. While I'm baking a cake, I make disciples. While I'm parenting my kids, I make disciples. That we use whatever influence and whatever situation we have to make disciples. Which means, while you're baking a cake, share Christ with them. While you're fixing their car, share Christ. While you're on the field, share Christ. Baptize, I think, is the actual word it uses here. And some of you be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never baptized somebody. Why not? Like, again, well, because the, the preacher has to do that. Mm -hmm. The pastor has to do that. Uh -huh. His disciples did that. So I wanna challenge you Share Christ. For those of you who have surrendered, share Christ with the people God puts in your life. That you start looking at things going, how can I share Christ with them? And, and I know this will happen. You'll be like, I don't even know where to start. Take your story and his story and tell them how they collided. Because that's really, for anybody who surrendered to Christ, here's what that means, is your story and his story collided one day and you came to know Jesus. Just share that with them. And then from there, then teach them. Because making disciples really means this, conversion and maturity. That I help somebody know Jesus and then follow Jesus. And that's what the scripture points out. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And you might sit there and say, well, Josh, I don't even obey all the commands. Neither do I. I mean, I try to, and you probably try to, but we'll fail. I don't know all the scripture. Neither do I. Teach them what you know. Teach them what you learned that day when you opened up God's word and read. That I've gotta be willing to go and I've gotta be willing to do with the resources that he provides. Let me share the very next verse with you. It says this. It says, and be sure of this. I am with you always 
even to the end of the age. I often laugh when I read that verse. And, and here's why. Remember, Jesus gave this statement, this speech, this commissioning as he was leaving the earth. Like, like imagine if I was just talking to you guys right here. I was like, and I'm gonna be with you till the very end of the age and then float it off into the sky. You'd be like, liar? <laughs> you just left, right? Like, like if I'm a disciple, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they did, they're like looking up and an angel said, hey, why are you looking up, all right? But, but why did he say that? Because he knew there would be days where, where we would struggle. Jesus, are you still here with me? Yeah, I'm with you to the very end of the age. There'd be days where I'd say, I don't know if I have what it takes. You're right, you don't, but I do, and I'm with you to the very end of the age. You see how it plays out? If you wanna live your calling, just go and do and rely on him. You see, that's, that's what a guy named William Tyndale did. Maybe you've heard that name, William Tyndale. It, very popular in Christian circles. Um, there was a guy named William Tyndale that lived back in the 1500s. And, and he had a friend whose name was Humphrey Monmouth. And maybe you've heard of William Tyndale, but chances are you haven't heard of Hum Humphrey Monmouth. And I wanna explain their story because to me, it's a perfect illustration of what it means to make disciples and what it means to live your calling. See, what happened is William Tyndale, he was a preacher. He was called into full-time ministry and he went into London one day and he stepped into a church and he preached a sermon and while he was preaching, a local businessman, a, 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 a businessman who had done very well in life. That, that again, this is the 1500s and he owned a bunch of ships. Um, he had a cloth business and, and he was selling cloth all over Europe. Uh, so he had done very well for himself in the business world. Well, Tyndale was preaching and, and hum, Humphrey Monmouth came in and sat down on the back row. And as he heard Tyndale preach, he was like, this guy is putting the words of God, the, he, he's putting it in an English, like I can finally understand. And he went up and introduced himself uh, after the message, but they really didn't get a chance to talk, and, and then he left, and then the next time Tyndale was back, they, he, he came to church again, he heard, heard Tyndale preach, he went up and he started talking to him, and as they were talking, Tyndale's like, dude, I'd love to hang out, let's go to a pub and, and, and grab, grab a pint and some food and let's talk. And so they went to this pub and they just sat there for several hours. And as they were at this pub, Monmouth, told him about his life. He said, yeah, I'm a businessman, this is what I do. And he said, but, but I want you to know this, I've never heard somebody preach the words of the Bible with such clarity and what, with such ease. He goes, I understand what you're actually saying. And to that, Tyndale said, well, that's been my whole mission in life. I just wanna speak God's word clearly and I want, I want everybody to understand it. He said, but unfortunately, I feel like my dream is dying. He's like, what do you mean? And he pulled out a letter. He said, I just got this letter back from the bishop of the town. See, Tyndale had a dream of translating the Bible from Latin into English. Because at this time in the 1500s, it was illegal to have an English Bible. 
Nobody had even ever tried it because the Bible was only in Latin. And he had a dream of, of translating the Bible from the original language of the Greek into English. And here's what, here was his words. I want the plowman to have as much knowledge as the priest. I want people to get God's word. I want to make disciples. So I sent a letter to the bishop asking if I could take up residency at the church while I translated. And the bishop told me I couldn't. So I've got no way of funding this project. I've got no place to live. I don't know what I'm going to do. And at that moment, Monmouth felt the call of God to do something he had never done. And he said, well, I, I have a bedroom at my house. I have a bedroom upstairs and you can have it. You can live at my house, you can eat at my table, and you spend your days translating the Bible, and I will fund you. So that's what he did. That, that he moved into his house, and all day long he would translate the Bible from the, the New Testament, from the Greek into the, the English, and at night he would come downstairs for dinner. And when he'd come down to the table, the table would always be surrounded by a bunch of different businessmen. Businessmen that, that Monmouth had invited over to his house for dinner and for Bible study and to teach them. And then Tyndale would sit down and he would join in the discussions. He had finally gotten to the point of where he, where he felt like he was really close to getting it finished. But he said to Monmouth, he said, there's a couple things I've got to check. I need to go and visit a man named Martin Luther because Martin Luther just finished translating the Bible from the Latin to the German. And there's a few things I need to check with somebody else because there's a phrase in the scriptures that, that, that the church has held on to that, that needs to be changed because the Greek doesn't say it. And here's the phrase. The phrase was that you have to earn your way into heaven. And, and, and Tyndale was like, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Greek says. The Greek says by God's grace, not by our good works. And I know if I translate it that way, the church is going to have a fit. And he was right. The church had a fit. So he said, I, I got to make sure I'm right on this. So Mama said, no problem. Get on one of my ships and go visit Luther. So he went to where Martin Luther was. They talked about it, and Luther's like, yeah, that's exactly how I translated it as well. By God's grace, not by our good works. While he was gone, Monmouth got thrown in prison. He spent a year in the Tower of London, not running his ships, not running his cloth business, not doing anything. And why? Because he had sponsored and made it possible for Tyndale to translate the Bible, which again was illegal. When he got out of jail, Tyndale was put in jail and 16 months later was tied to a stake. Hay was put at his feet where he was gonna be burned. They asked him, do you have any final words? And his final prayer was simply this, Lord, open the eyes of the king in the eyes of the king because Tyndale just desperately wanted the king to see that everyone needs and deserves the word of God because they need to hear about the grace the good grace of Jesus Christ and praise God two years later the king of England made a decree that every church in England should have an English Bible that's what happened. And then 50 years later, King 
James of England actually said, we need to translate the Bible as well. And so instituted the translation of what now many of you own a King James Bible. That Bible's translation, 80 to 90% of it was taken from Tyndale's. And then he died at the stake. My guess is there would have been times while he was in jail or Monmouth was in jail that they were saying, Lord, did we do this right? I mean, you said you'd always be with us and this is, and my guess is the spirit of God came over them and said, yes, for I am with you. You did what was right and you went where I called you. Even though it has brought trials and difficulties into your life. And guys, that's the way the calling of God will work. It won't always be easy, but you have to be willing to go. You have to be willing to do, and you have to rely on him for the right resources. See, both of these guys lived their calling. One of them as a preacher, one of them as a businessman. But they both used what the Lord had provided to make disciples. And we need to do the same. And I know as soon as I say that, you might say, great, Josh, nice story. But one, it's not 500 years ago. Two, I'm not a wealthy businessman that has all kinds of ships, or I'm not a preacher like Tyndale. Maybe. But the same God who provided for them is the same God who can provide for you. And maybe you don't need to try to be like Tyndale or you don't need to try to be like Monmouth. Maybe you just be like, like Connie. One more story as I wrap up. I was sitting on my deck last Saturday night. I was messing around on Facebook and I got a message from a lady named Connie who's from my hometown in Mooresville, Indiana. I ain't got a message from her in years. And I got a message from her and she goes, hey, I know this is out of the blue, but I think you married my nephew today. And I was like, what? I married a guy named Brian Morgan to his now wife, Alex. She's like, yeah, that's my nephew. And I was like, mind blown. Right? Like Mooresville, Indiana, Conway, South Carolina. Here, here's the reality about Brian. Brian comes to the 1130 service every week, sits over in that section right over there with his now wife, Alex, that, that my guess is they'll be sitting over there at the next hour. And, and here's what's crazy. Like I, I'm sitting there going, how small of a world is it that a lady that was at the first church I ever attended is an aunt to a guy who attends the church that I'm at now. Like, how crazy is that? It gets a whole lot crazier. The only reason, the only reason I'm standing in front of you as your preacher, the only reason that I get an opportunity every week to help disciple Brian and his wife, Alex, is because a lady named Connie and her husband named Bill and their daughter named Michelle invited me to church and baptized me. It was her husband, Bill, that baptized me in the water. 
And because of what they did some 30 some years ago, I now get the opportunity to stand in front of you and help disciple their nephew. See, this is the reason I'm saying, like, I want you to be like Tyndale. I want you to be like Monmouth. I also just want you to be like Connie and Bill and Michelle who said, I'll go wherever the Lord is calling me to go. And I'll do whatever he's calling me to do and rely on him. So I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. And now's the time. Now's the time to, to answer the call. That it, for those of you who have surrendered your life, it's time because there's people like me some several years ago who didn't know the Lord. You have people in your life who don't know the Lord and you need to help them cross over from light to dark. You need to be the one. So go and do and wherever that is or however that is and trust God to provide. And there's also those, some of you here who, well, you need to share but what you need to share is how the fact today is the day that you surrendered your life. Because there's some of you who haven't surrendered yet. And today needs to be the day. All of us have work to do in this room. All of us need to answer the call. The question is, will you? And then will you live your calling? There's communion up front, there's prayer corners, there's a baptistry. Today is the day, say yes, answer the call and live your calling because of the blood. I was rich, I remember.